0: Hi everybody and welcome to Surveillance Report 12. This marks the three month anniversary of the Surveillance Report. Time just absolutely flies. So thank you all who have tuned in so far and have made this what it is today. It's been a pleasure. Today's episode is brought to you by us. Yes, us. We have so many communities you can be a part of where you can immerse yourself with other privacy and security advocates. We're on Telegram, Riot, and Discord, which are all bridged together, meaning you choose which of the three you want to use, and you'll be able to communicate with the other two all from the same community. It's honestly super dope. This is sweet because you can be a part of our Telegram and Discord communities with no personal information through Riot, which requires nothing to sign up. There's also our Patreon community, which is at 29 members, we're trying to hit 50, so even that $1 tier will help hit that goal. And I am on Twitter if you want to stay updated with privacy topics and our channel. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's episode. As always, we're going to start with companies. In honor of my recent Tesla rant where we covered their privacy by design, let's go over our first article. Green the Only, a researcher of Tesla's, came out with a discovery that users' data, like contacts and personal messages, may be retrievable from the car even after a factory reset. This is because Tesla's store information in a database that isn't deleted until the hard drive blocks that store it are overwritten by new data, kind of similar to when you delete a file on your computer, and it may be recoverable as well. This isn't a new issue, really. Green has hinted at this in the past. It's just now being covered. Note, this isn't also particularly a Tesla issue alone, as this seems to be possible on some other newer cars as well. Speaking of all of this, I am very excited because I have actually been working with someone who is based out of California, um, and we're trying to figure out a way to get the Model 3 to pretty much be used in a private manner. Uh, the main issue with opting out of the over-the-air functions through Tesla is it's possible this voids warranty as you won't get software updates because the Model 3 only allows you to update through over-the-air functions, so you can't manually update the car. So what we've been doing is there's a software side of things where we block all the domains except just the update domain and anything anyone else wanted to whitelist. The other side of things is the hardware, because the car constantly is connected to something. You can't disable LTE on the car. The only way to disable LTE is when the car is connected to Wi-Fi. So there's really no way to actually disconnect the car from the internet. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to find a way to stop the car from being able to access LTE so we can force Wi-Fi at all times. And then we can implement our domain blocker on all Wi-Fi hotspots it connects to. So that's kind of a big project we're working on. I'm, I'm excited for it, but yeah, a little off topic. Let's get back to the news. Firefox has been on it lately with their new features. Firefox 76 has officially incorporated their data breach notification feature in the stable release. This is included inside Lockwise, the Firefox password manager. Firefox is slowly building their ecosystem. I cannot say I've ever used it, but it's becoming more and more attractive the more I I see how good it's becoming. Last week, Xiaomi had that scandal where a researcher discovered they were collecting data about people's web traffic, even in incognito mode, which was wild. Xiaomi has since updated their browsers to include an option to disable this tracking in incognito mode. This sounds great, but there are a couple issues. Problem one, this is very poorly baked in, by design no doubt, as they introduced a setting called enhanced incognito mode, which is another word for, we don't track you like normal incognito mode, and to add to the damage, it's off by default. So most users won't change that, and those who go into the settings won't understand the differences. The researcher also reanalyzed the default data collection happening to users, and it's still very bad. Shame on you, Xiaomi. Let's hope that improves. I want to mention that Xiaomi is coming under fire here, but they're likely not the only company doing this. I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing more of these uh, third-party Android manufacturers are collecting a bucket full of information about us. Just a good reminder that you can install custom ROMs on lots of devices. Um, Even though Linux OS has some security issues, if you're trying to avoid the privacy concerns with these phone manufacturers, try to look into Linux OS and see if your device is supported by Linux OS, or you can pick up a device that does. Clearview AI has now canceled all relationships with everybody who isn't associated with law enforcement or government agencies. This was due to several lawsuits being filed that attacked their sharing of data with other companies, labeling this as commercial use of biometric data. So companies like Macy's and the countless others, I made a list, uh, you can see if you're watching the video, these partnerships will all be canceled. This is all great news, but it still doesn't stop the fact that Clearview can work with law enforcement here. So yeah, the the underlying issue is still there. It's unfortunate you have to sue a company in order to accomplish something this significant. Last week in SR11, we discovered the Banjo CEO had ties to the KKK and was involved in a synagogue shooting. (laughs) The same person who's the CEO for a company that was implementing live surveillance systems in Utah for public safety. Ah, I love irony. Well, he has stepped down and they're getting a new CEO so they can continue implementing surveillance in places that are convinced these surveillance systems will actually work. Question here, if this system is so effective, why did Utah just cancel it overnight because of the CEO's past history? I mean, clearly it's not that vital if something like this, which doesn't actually impact the surveillance side of things, was enough reason for them to cancel pretty much all relationships with Banjo within just a few days. Now let's finish companies with some tidbits, which is definitely not influenced by the quick bits on Techquickie. Zoom has acquired Keybase in hopes to implement some proper end-to-end encryption in the next major version of Zoom. Users of Keybase are obviously upset as they're bought out by a company with a poor reputation. On the upside, I guess this may be good for Zoom. Can they really not implement end-to-end encryption themselves? They have like hundreds of employees. I I can't imagine this being that challenging since we have just indie developers doing this. Microsoft's GitHub account was hacked in another ironic turn of events, where 500 gigabytes of data was stolen from private repositories. Microsoft has recently confirmed this breach. Google Authenticator has finally, after years, implemented a backup import function. Other alternatives have had this, it's really not hard, it's just out of lack of energy on Google's end to support this. Guys, don't use Google Authenticator, I'm not even speaking from a privacy security perspective here, I'm just telling you, it sucks compared to the alternatives, it's so limited and there's no reason not to use a better app for this, something so simple. DigitalOcean has suffered a data leak that exposed customer data including email addresses and account names, and some data like bandwidth usage and other analytics. There doesn't seem to be any sign of a compromise, which is good, and it's recommended to enable 2FA within your DigitalOcean account, as you should for all your accounts. Tokopedia, an Indonesian e-commerce company, was hacked, which leaked 90 million users' data. This breach includes information like gender, location, login information, phone numbers, and even hashed passwords. The Ghost blogging platform also was hacked, in the same exact fashion as Lineage OS, a hack we talked about last week in SR11. This doesn't seem to have impacted the service or customers. It was used to install a cryptocurrency miner, so you're safe, for now. And our final tidbit is from GoDaddy, which suffered a data breach involving SSH access on a hosting account. Nothing seems to have been affected, which is good, but this is still alarming for sure. That finished company news for the week, so let's go ahead and dive into research. It seems everything can be hacked nowadays, from TVs to watches to pretty much all IoT devices. But some can have much more dire consequences. Airplanes being kind of a scary thought. Well, lucky for us... Researchers have figured out a way to spoof TCAS, which is a system used to monitor objects around an airplane. With a $10 USB dongle and a rogue transponder, they fool the plane into seeing a fake aircraft in front of it, causing the autopilot TCAS safety system to kick in and make the plane freak out. The plane spontaneously climbs or descends with no input from the pilot. Scary stuff. Probably the scariest thing about this is I feel like this is just one in a million things you can do on planes. I feel like there are just so many things that you can do to a plane uh, from a cybersecurity perspective that are just scary. This next research article I included because I felt it gave some insight into contact tracing. Uh, Pew did some surveys to see how Americans viewed contact tracing. Here were some highlights I wanted to mention. Six out of 10 people don't think contact tracing is very effective. And about 50% of people don't think it's acceptable for the government to track people through their cell phone. That's all that's new that I wanted to mention. They did include some past surveys that they did, um, which do add some insight into this, but yeah, you can take a look at it if you're interested by going into the sources below. It's not something that I need to mention here. Although one thing I will mention just for you podcast listeners is something that's crazy is uh, it's pretty clear from the, the data that we're looking at for the surveys is that people actually do care about these things to some extent. But they don't do anything because of lack of knowledge or also um, they just don't care enough. Um... The fact that 50% of people are concerned about contact tracing and the, the privacy implications shows that there are a significant number of people that care. But when you look at the data and it shows you that most people don't know what to do about it, it's clear that there's an educational gap here, which is something that our channel is constantly trying to improve. So. Yeah, Microsoft has come out saying 150 million people are using their own passwordless login options. This is up from 100 million last November. It's interesting reading about this because Microsoft seems in agreement that this is more secure than passwords, which isn't really that true. However, what they're actually saying is it's more secure because people are more likely to get lazy with passwords, meaning they're gonna choose weak passwords or reuse the same passwords as well as other bad practices. Biometric and other forms of non-password logins are more convenient and have less risk of user error. So if you use a password manager or an equivalent, you should probably stick with a password. If you're talking to grandma at Christmas who barely knows how to use her devices, biometrics may be a decent and more secure option for her. This was actually kind of a mental shift for me because I've always been on the boat of avoid biometrics at all costs, but I never saw from the perspective of, well, most people don't implement proper passwords. Um, So if someone really isn't going to care about their passwords, maybe it is better just to recommend biometrics. But it also takes about a minute to tell them how important passwords are and how to do it. So maybe there's definitely a comfortable balance here. And yeah, there's no perfect solution. Our final research this week comes from VPN Pro, who did research that shows private VPN and betternet had vulnerabilities which allowed for fake or malicious updates. This is a theoretical attack where you are told to update your VPN but it's not a real update, it's actually power. VPN Pro put together an insanely well done video demoing this, I was very impressed by the quality of it, just as a side note. Private VPN and BetterNet stole the headlines, but actually TorGuard and CyberGhost had a security issue as well, which allowed for interception of communications and still connected while being intercepted inception. This means neither service has additional certificate pinning in place that prevents an attacker from intercepting the communication with the update network request. This isn't as bad as it actually sounds and it's nowhere near as bad as PrivateVPN and BetterNet as they actually allowed a malicious download to occur on this connection. So hopefully we'll see patches come forward for all these providers to prevent these kind of issues in the future. It's time for politics. The US had the most news this week, so let's start there. The New York Times has found surveillance on US soil from local national agencies in the form of FISA requests, the secret warrantless closed-off federal court used to target individual American citizens labeled as suspects, has fallen considerably in 2019, whereas overseas use of warrantless surveillance programs soared, showing kind of a shift in how the US is conducting surveillance. This article talks a little bit about the politics behind this and how the Trump administration accusation towards whistleblowers and how this was utilized by FISA, which shows why they might be a little bit more strict on uh, using FISA requests on US citizens. The next article is an opinion piece covering the international parts ban for the US electric grid, which we talked about last week in SR11. I criticize this because supposedly the reason electrical grids are insecure is because they're using foreign parts. Luckily, I am not alone. <laughs> Someone came out and actually proposed using open-source software, which they say is a much better solution. In the article, they talk about how a lot of this hardware is imported because we don't currently have the capability to build much of this ourselves, and forcing this move overnight won't magically make the U.S. a manufacturing powerhouse. Additionally, most concerns can be fixed by simply open-sourcing the software side of things. Thank you, Stephen, for writing this article. It makes me feel less crazy for criticizing a, uh, Very peculiar move. Our final U.S. article is about Virginia. Their government websites were hacked, allowing two subdomains to be converted into an ebook scam page? Yes, it is that random, and yes, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, The main theory seems to be this was a placeholder for an actual real attack, Uh, but no one seems to really know, so yeah, this, this has been fixed. Now let's move on to international news, starting with Australia. A data breach has revealed the personal details of almost a million migrants and people aspiring to move to Australia. This includes partial names and the outcome of applicants. This doesn't seem to be a huge deal, but when you consider the necessary privacy some migrants would want, at least from a U.S. perspective where uh, we have some issues with immigration, this could be serious for an individual who wants to keep this hidden. The last political news comes out of India, where it's been discovered their COVID-19 contact tracing application can leak patient locations. Using a feature within the app, an attacker can geospoof their location and target individuals in isolated areas, or use a triangulation attack to pinpoint who is and isn't sick in areas with more people. No comment has been made on the matter besides from the developers of the app, who said nothing has been identified as any proven risk. Oh yes, because not facing the music and working to fix these problems always works out perfectly. Yes, yes, just ask Zoom or Xiaomi about this. They'll tell you all about it. And finally, we have the misfits. We had enough this week to categorize them a bit, so let's go ahead and start with health. Fresenius, 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 let's go with that. The largest private hospital operator in the EU was hit by a ransomware attack that significantly impacted its operations. A Colorado hospital was also hit by a ransomware attack, and these are becoming ever more frequent as we've seen them in Czechia, France, Spain, Thailand, and more. A group called the Cyber Alliance to defend our healthcare has stepped up and has struck deals with 87 hospitals and four national healthcare services in the EU. They aim to pretty much secure these hospitals and prevent these kind of situations from happening. They eventually also wanna move over to the US, which is good news. This is a very honorable thing they're doing, so plus one points for humanity. I just wanna say, how evil do you have to be to target a hospital? Like, of all the things you can attack, why would you target a hospital? Like, you have to have no morals. Um, No matter how much money you're getting, you you could be affecting someone's life, like you are actively killing people. Ugh, it's just, it's despicable! Our next misfit category was gaming! The Wii, N64, and GameCube source codes have all leaked online from Nintendo. This comes after the last week announcement of almost 200,000 account compromises, so not a good week for Nintendo. Someone has also leaked The Last of Us Part 2 Trailer Online, This was originally believed to be an inside job, but it's been confirmed an attacker utilized a vulnerability to obtain the content from Sony. This brings me back to the interview in 2013. That was the best leak of all time. Roblox also isn't safe, as a hacker bribed a Roblox insider to access user data. They had the ability to search up details for any user, as well as take actions against their accounts. This is pretty wild, and I guess easier than social engineering. I mean, just bribe them, mission accomplished. Now to finish out our last few misfits. 44 million Pakistani mobile users' details have leaked online. This included full customer names, home addresses, national ID numbers, phone numbers, and subscription information. This is incredibly unfortunate that such a large number of people were affected. And finally, This is the moment, guys. It's the last article of the week, and it's about love in honor of Mother's Day. So, happy Mother's Day. Um, The creator of the love bug virus, which caused global havoc in 2000, has come out of his cave and announced that he created it. His name is Guzman. For those who aren't aware, the lovebug virus spread in the form of an email attachment entitled I Love You that contained malicious code that could overwrite files, steal passwords, and send copies of itself to all contacts in an Outlook address book. It spread across the world and infected about 45 million machines in total. It even reportedly shut down the UK's parliament for several hours. So are we gonna lock him up? No, he's apparently off the hook because I don't know. Um, it takes 20 years for something serious to become a joke, apparently. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of that South Park episode where, uh, they say it takes 22.3 years for a tragic event to be funny. <laughs> great episode, you should all watch it. And that, my friends, was the Surveillance Report 12. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's weekly privacy and security news. I can't appreciate your time and, uh, your willingness to be here, and I really hope that you get a lot out of these episodes. Thank you all for watching. If you're here on YouTube, make sure to give us a like and subscribe below so you can keep up with next week's news. And if you're on the podcast, make sure to also follow us and subscribe us on whatever platform you're listening in from. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure to leave us a review so that, you know, we get more publicity and we get more people listening to these topics. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day and stay safe during coronavirus. And yeah, see you all next time.